everyone, and welcome to another episode of Saying the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Salutations. And Daniel. Hey! Today we're discussing Season 9, Episode 6, which is titled One Can Only Hope. The episode aired on November 7, 2002. Lauren was going on that week 21 years ago. Ah, uh, say it ain't so. After only three months of marriage, actor Nick Cage and singer-songwriter Lisa Marie Presley called it quits, citing Hollywood's favorite divorce reason, irreconcilable differences. I bet she didn't get half a share in his New Orleans tomb where all of his money's buried. <laughs> there was... Uh, that's, this is one of the, the side note. This is one of those things I vividly remember. Like this is like the first like memories I have of like pop culture, the People magazine, and like the mm-hmm. the stuff at the checkout lanes. Like this was all they talked about for months. Don't remember it at all. I remember. Um, I remember there being accusations levied at the time that uh, he had married her just because he was a big fan of her dad. Oh, that's and, completely yeah, heard within that within realm of how weird he is. Like it was, it was just like another thing he could collect. Basically, like he's he, Nicholas Cage has a bit of a you know collector fetish, and uh, I feel like she was one of those things that he was just like collecting. Can we also take a moment to appreciate we are in another Nick Cage Renaissance right now? Like yeah, he's, he's doing he's decent full shit circle. again. He's come completely full circle. Everyone uh, go see the unbearable way to massive talent. I mean, or, go rent it or whatever. Go it's, rent it, yeah. It's out of theaters. So but. good. I, w- I still have to watch Renfield. But anyway, so yeah. Weird Nick Cage. Gotta love it. Um, Christmas comes to the box office a little early this year as the Santa Claus 2, the sequel to the film where Tim Allen kills Santa and also starring Eric Lloyd and ER alumni Elizabeth Mitchell and David Krumholtz, debuts and ho-ho-hoes its way into the box office crown. Lizzie, that was horrible. And Dilemma by Nelly featuring Kelly Rowland is your number one song for its 10th and final week. Daniel, what else was on? At 8 p.m., Friends with the episode The One with the Male Nanny. At 8.30, Scrubs with My First Step. And at 9, a two-parter from Will and Grace, or at least, it, maybe not maybe not a two-parter, but at least has the full hour, uh, Boardroom and a Parked Place. Um, I just have to note two things. I am sure in that Friends episode, there is a joke about the nanny being a manny. Just going to put that out there. And I also think that this Will and Grace thing is a play on the Monopoly Uh Boards, boardwalk and park. and park place. Do you think? Yeah. Do you, do you, you think? You, you, think you, you think you sleuth that one out there, Lauren? I think I might have. I think this is one of those things where to everyone else it was blatantly obvious, but I'm just having a fucking Tuesday, guys. I, so. I wouldn't have even given it a second thought. So, oh boy, Lauren, we we love you. We don't deserve. I'm, you. I'm just gonna cry on recording. It's fine. <laughs> oh. This week's episode had 24.3 million viewers tuning in, directed by Jonathan Kaplan doing his 26th out of 40. Last time we saw him was uh, the season premiere, Chaos Theory, uh, and written by Bruce Miller doing his first of just four episodes as a writer on the show. He has also uh, been a writer slash producer on stuff like The 100, Eureka, and is currently the showrunner on Handmaid's Tale. The uh, show's still so- on? Shout yes. out to that guy. Yeah, I think it. I think it has one more season. I don't know. That show is. I. I would not watch that show if uh, it were made of water and my eyeballs were on fire. Not because it's probably not a good show, but because it fucks me up. Like yeah. just the very concept of it fucks me up in our current uh, climate. So I. Yeah, I watched parts of the first season before everything went to shit. And I have not been able to pick it back up since that. Like, I, I tried once and I was like, nope, nope, and the right yeah. fuck out. Nope. 
Absolutely not. Uh, and a couple of notes as we get into the episode. Uh, we got an alternate title this week. Uh, it's kind of weak sauce, uh, admittedly, though. Uh, alternate title for this episode was The Lottery. So. Oh, I bet it's because they play the lottery in this one, Daniel, you think? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing slips past you, Lauren. You're really, Tuesday, you're, Tuesday uh, Lauren states the obvious. Let's go. Right on top of it. Uh, and no Gallant this week. Uh, we have previously on brought to us by Romano, and we start with a Lizzie talking to a cancer patient. She was not able to take out all of his tumors, and he needs to see an oncologist. She keeps saying, like, nope, oncologist is going to give you a better idea. I can't tell you. Uh, this man's name is Mr. Willow. He keeps pressing her for a prognosis, and she just kind of is like, let me get oncology. Tells him roughly pretty bad one and then leaves him. Like, no. this- I, I don't. I, I, I don't know if this was intentional or not, but uh, this uh, conversation here is very reminiscent of the conversation that uh, Susan has with that patient in the pilot, mm-hmm. um, where he also presses her for a diagnosis and is, you know, just really to And I don't know, again, I don't know if that was intentional or if it's just a coincidence, um, but this is still very, like... Uh, we're still in the, the spot with Lizzie where we were when she came back from England, where she's like really short with patience and doesn't seem to have much like emotional she's bandwidth real cool yeah it's it's she's in a rough spot right now we're gonna let's jump right from there to our first audio clip here uh romano doing the classic american pastime of yelling on the phone with an insurance company excessive therapy excessive how's this for excessive i had my arms sliced off i mean what do i have to do to get full therapy i have to have a pack of wolves come chew my leg off too Look, my physical therapist, my orthopedic surgeon, and the chief of staff of the hospital that pays your premiums. What's his name again? Oh, yeah, that's right. Me. I've all determined I need a minimum of five days a week in order to regain occupational use. I need a solid tumor consult for Mr. Willow. It's not disability, you nut. I'm, I'm still working. It's... Hello? Hello? Coward. He can shriek still out of it? No, I told him told him you were in there for all of 90 seconds. Started a lot of drip at two milligrams, Q 30 minutes. You know, I am going to have to get you your own complaint box. There's nothing I can do for the man but pain control. No, no, no. Your medical student, the martini shaker, he camped out in my office and says you refuse to put him on call. He has Parkinson's disease. Yeah, hence the martini shaker reference. Come on, Lizzie, work with me. Stress and sleep deprivation only exacerbate his symptoms. Well, he says he's managing it. Makes a good argument. I don't think it's fair to the others to have to make them pick up his slack. I'm not going to put the man on 36 hours straight. He'll take a nap. It's bad enough he has to treat patients. Oh, I get it. What? You have something against doctors with disabilities. Only on a case-by-case basis. Look, if this guy wants the full ream surgical rotation experience, give it to him. The last thing I need is some gimp lawyer from the ACLU coming in here and telling me I have to put handrails on the urinals. And, oh, by the way, the guy with the twitch, he's suing your ass. What, we care nothing about Mr. Nathan? Who's Nathan? Him, my Parkinson's student. Oh, uh, right. Uh, no, I don't care. This place is littered with masochists. Just make sure he doesn't kill anyone. It's so perfect. Who? Oh, Who? no. No, I don't care. He's just that random. He's just that that black guy who has Parkinson's, stud. <laughs> and he's like, foe, it... his foe, like, oh, you don't care about doctors with disabilities, <laughs> like. <laughs> but yeah, fuck it. insurance companies, nationalize the healthcare system. Amen. Fuck, fuck everything. Oh. That's where I'm at tonight, folks. Fuck everything. <laughs> it's been a long day. I'm. Yep. Um, 
Then we go into this patient. Uh, fuck this. I don't want to talk about this one. I forgot yeah, how this one ended. I'm just going to say that right shit. now. Uh, we meet Sarah Paspalis. She's found mm-hmm. on the L. Or she was found on the L. She's 14 years old. Uh, she was found unconscious. She's on a gurney now. Just wants to sleep. Uh, I noticed the, oh, hey, it's that girl. But Daniel, fill us in on who she is, please. Uh, yes, she, uh, Sarah here she is played by actress Elizabeth Rice, who uh, <sighs> appears in stuff like From Within, My Dog Skip, and is the first of two uh, semi, uh, semi-notable semi Mad Men slash Innocent con- uh, connections in this episode. Oh, really? Uh, she is uh, best known for playing uh, Roger Sterling's daughter, Margaret, on Mad Men. Uh, and I recognized her face and face and like vocal patterns. Like the way she talks is very, you know, kind of distinctive. It's, it's the nose. I don't know why I was. Yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah. just, yeah. Very, she has very, a very unique face. Very, yeah. very pretty. She, but. she looks like she's like made out of porcelain. Like she yeah. looks, mm-hmm. she looks like if she fell over, she would shatter into a billion. hundred percent. That's exactly it. Uh, but Abby and Aaron, Hey, look guys, Aaron's back are working her Ooh. over. Cool. I guess. Um, we learn Abby has a meeting with Carrie later about the nurse's petition against Luca. Because remember, that happened. Everybody hates Luca. Uh, Eric brought his girlfriend in while he's visiting because she's sick. Jody, the girlfriend, pukes all over the floor in front of uh, Abby. Cool. Great first impression. Uh, and Jody is uh, kind of the most, I guess, notable. Oh, oh, hey, it's that person of this episode, at least in terms of modern fame. Um, she is played by actress Lake Bell, who uh, appears in stuff like In a World, No Escape, uh, and It's Complicated. Um, she's one of those people that, like, I know she's famous. I'm still not quite sure what for. Like, I, like, I, she's one of those people I recognize her face. I recognize her, like, name. But yet, when I look at her IMDb, I go, I have not seen anything that this person has been in. Or, like, I'm, I'm, I'm completely unaware of what it is this person is famous for. But, you know, I know she's famous, so I know somebody's watching her. It's clearly just not me. Is this her only appearance? Yes, this is her only. I, I'm, okay. I'm 99.9% sure of that. Um, it just occurred to me that there's a possibility she might be recurring, but I don't think she is. Yeah, let's be real here. Um, and we are in with some bangs. Speaking of bangs, uh, we are our first trauma patient, or our next trauma patient here is a 36-year-old uh, with three gunshot wounds. It's brought in. Uh, Chen wheels him in, and uh, this dude is sucks. number one piece of shit. Stand-up gentleman, classy, wonderful. I'm sure he's a. I'm sure he's a fantastic lover and human being. Like I'm sure he's just. The picture of masculinity. Uh, but yes, can I get a nurse to sit on my face? And then Chen says Malik will do it. And of course he just spart- starts being a homophobe. And, he has a and Confederate- a racist. Yeah, and a racist. Yeah, he has a Confederate bandana on. So you know you know what he's about. Oh boy. And our racist here, who, who doesn't really get a name, just ends up being, you know, racist. Uh, he is played by actor Jim Cody Williams, who appears in stuff like Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and my favorite credit. I'm, I'm a big fan of stupid credit names and stuff. Uh, and this one is one of my favorite ones. He appears in the movie Dodgeball as, quote, weird guy with monster truck. So All right. sh- shout out to this guy. Not shout See, out to the character, just the actor. 
Anytime I see a Confederate flag in any capacity, I just think of like, it just brings to mind all the things that lasted longer than the failed sedition attempt. Such as the Doritos Locos Taco. Exactly. The Doritos Locos Taco has lasted longer than Confederacy people. ER lasted almost three times as long as the Confederacy. (laughs) Oh boy. Um, And I want to note here to keep Confederate flag bandana notwithstanding, but the rest of the ensemble Keep that in mind. Keep that visual in mind because uh, they got a great deal on his wardrobe because they basically repurpose it in about ten minutes. So uh, minus the bandana, you're oh my just, god! They just changed the color of the bandana. They still have Daniel. he still has a bandana on. You're absolutely right, but it's not a racist bandana. It's just no, normal. It's just everyday bandana. It's a regular old run of the mill bandana. Uh, yeah, must have gotten a great deal on that in the costume department. Uh, but in any event, we go from there. Uh, Abby is talking with Eric, asking him how he met Jody. Uh, he says they met at a bookstore near the base, uh, and they're in town because he rented a plane to fly around the country with her. Totally normal. Yeah, do you hear those uh, alarm bells going off? Yikes. Uh, we circle back to over to our racist gunshot wound trauma patient. Says he wants the American doctor doesn't want chen uh which somebody helpfully points out i don't remember who that she is american yeah she points it out no i Uh, think it's i think it's a crat or something it's it's definitely somebody else in the room yeah but uh uh in the middle of all this uh harkins is running around because she can't find sarah the uh, 14 year old that was brought in just a bit ago uh our patient makes an awfully disgusting and i was like (laughs) uh racial joke like racial racial epithet um, racial crack at i wish i could just like reference what it was from even but i i don't even want to repeat it on yeah like it's just not great if if you've heard a hacky comedian at any point you know what it is sexual harassment and racism all in one one tidy little package uh and uh this then chen pulls out the uh, needle that she's working with on him he's got 40 cc's of pericardial blood as the guy loses consciousness uh, they then they then are able to stabilize him, and Chen says, "Well, maybe we should just crack his chest anyway." Which, I and... love that that's just in the background as they're shifting over to the next door trauma. <laughs> yeah, on, of note comes up later. They did give him a chest tube, right? Yes. So we go from one trauma to the next. Uh, Nathan calls in Lizzie to the trauma next door woman named Allison. She's in respiratory distress. She's a 26-year-old woman. Went down in the middle of a crosswalk at, quote, Felton. I, I Lizzie, I put it there because I wasn't sure if you knew where the fuck it was. I have no idea. I've never heard of that street name. Cool. There's Fulton? There's... But they clearly say Felton. Yeah. But like, that, could, that the, could have easily the, been a, a, a non-Chicago-based writer writing this episode and, you know, getting Fulton and Felton confused. Who knows? But she's slightly altered. She has uh, numerous scars from previous surgery, and Lizzie asks Nathan about his conversation with Romano. Uh, Lizzie drills Nathan on Allison's condition. He, of course, gets everything right because Don Cheadle can do no wrong. Uh, she's got the, and he says she's got the lungs of an eight-year-old chain smoker. She's drowning in her own mucus. <laughs> yeah, and she says she doesn't want, and the woman says she doesn't want to uh, vent. Yeah, she doesn't want a tube down her throat, so Nathan, Nathan, I can't talk tonight, people. Nathan suggests a pressure mask instead of the vent. Carter's like, good idea. So like a super CPAP. 
essentially. Yeah. Uh, then we go back to our racist piece of shit, and Abby asks Halei if she knew about the nurse's petition. Of course they all did. Halei knows everything. Um, and Pratt comes in complaining that no one paged him about the gunshot wound victim. And the guy all of a sudden looks down, sees the chest tube, and tries to threaten Chen for marring his tattoo, saying, me and my guys are going to come after you, you piece of shit, essentially. Like, lunges at her, and they're like, nope, nope, come on, man. Hmm. Take him away. I, I so, do like that they uh, also refer to Pratt as a trauma queen. Yes, which yes, is 100%. <laughs> but yeah, so she's he's wheeled away, and she's left a little rattled. Pratt, of course, is like, hey, are you all right? Uh, then we go back over to Allison, and Corday is called away to another patient in three, and she tells Nathan he needs to do chart reviews and that he can't, you know, keep an eye on Allison. And he goes, this is such a good line read from Don Cheadle. He goes, can I go to the ball after that? <laughs> like, Yeah, they, they uh, don't really, um, at least not as far as I could tell, they don't really make it clear how much time has elapsed between the end of the last episode and the beginning of this one, but it does sort of feel like something changed between the end of last episode and the beginning of this one where at the end of last episode, remember we left it at almost like an after school special kind of spot mm -hmm. where like, you know, like they were basically like, Can going, do oh, no wrong. oh, shucks, you got me kind of thing. And then I wonder if maybe they looked at that and went like, oh, no, there's not very much like there's Tension. not. Yeah, we really kind of blew our wad really early on this one. Maybe we should, you know, step back a little bit and. Uh, circle back to this because it seems like I'm, there's been some backsliding between the end of last episode I'm going to choose to say like two weeks like let's say it's been at least two weeks yeah sure something like that uh, but Abby then goes to check on Jody Eric's girlfriend and Eric went out for a smoke which is weird because Eric doesn't smoke um, Abby goes to chat with Luca about the nurse's petition and as this is going on Aaron runs up saying she still can't find Sarah and uh, get Jerry to help you and Jerry goes big hospital Many patients, very busy as his <laughs> arm is full of charts. I love Jerry. I want that as a clip so badly, like just uh, as a drop. Just put in whenever it's like a trauma episode and I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. No, it's fuck. Just, just make, it a make it a t-shirt, Daniel. No, we're not allowed to do any more t-shirts until people start buying the ones we already design. Uh, big hospital, many patients, uh, very busy. But then a new trauma is brought in. Uh, Darius skateboarded into a car door while Susan is looking at him. I think this is the only time we see this patient. I don't think he has any yeah. through line at all. Yep, this is pretty much the only time we see this patient. It's really also kind of, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but this is also kind of Susan's main contribution to this episode. Yep, 100%. Like Su Susan is very token in this episode and uh, I to the point where I had to go double check and make sure that it wasn't just Gallant that uh is a credit <laughs> only this episode. I was like, "What yeah. did Susan do this week?" Now they tried it out Cherry Stringfield for just this. Yep, turns out she's here for just this. Um and so uh, Darius uh insignificant though he may be, uh, he might uh, resonate with uh, audience members a little bit younger than us. Uh, he is played by actor Jerry Trainer, who appears in uh, stuff like Donnie Darko, the movie that uh, Jake has been trying to get me to watch for so long that it has circled back around to the point where he's now telling me not to watch it. Um, the ill-fated attempt to make uh, David Duchovny uh, a movie star, Evolution. Uh, uh, that movie, a comedy movie star. That that, that. <laughs> air quotes comedy. Let's. <laughs> there is not much. 
there's not much comedy in Evolution. Evolution is bad. Uh, mm-hmm. So bad it killed the career of Orlando Jones. Remember that guy? Uh, the, yeah. seven up, the make seven up yours guy? Yeah. You ever have a movie so bad it actually absolutely torpedoes a career? Uh, but he is best known for a recurring role on the TV series iCarly, which I am going to take a shot in the dark and say was a Disney Channel show. Maybe Nickelodeon is one or the other. Uh, but it was it was past my Best Buy date on all that stuff. Like, I have I, definitely aged out of uh, both by the time I, that show came along. I am aware it existed, and I could not tell you for the life That's of me the, if it was. It's the Miranda Cosgrove one, right? I yeah. think so. She's the star of and that. that. The only reason I know that is because for Rock Band 2... They put out a free song, a free song from iCarly. It's Miranda Cosgrove singing a song called "Headphones On," and it's the most generic piece of yeah. What you might call well, it? Yeah, because like we, we still have to be several years away from that show starting because she's the little girl in School of Rock, and that comes out the year after this. So it yeah. start it started in two thousand seven, and it was Nickelodeon. Okay, yeah, so but yeah, you. the song which it was, it's like the song itself is is fine but like it was really fun to play yeah this is this is one of these like horrible things where it's like oh god i'm getting so old because like this is a show that i have zero frame of reference for no nostalgia i'm barely aware that it existed at all and yet it's actively in the middle of a reboot right now like it's it is getting an active continuation right now that is like killing me from the inside out just because it's like this show that I missed completely the first time around because I was too old for it is now in its like nostalgia phase and I am turning more and more rapidly to dust with each passing day. Yeah. Oh, and the and I the only other thing I know from it is uh her with her sitting in front of the computer saying interesting with a coke with yep. a coke can in her hand. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I do know that meme. But yeah, I'm sure there's somebody in our audience. I know we have some younger listeners. I'm sure there's some people in our audience who are big iCarly fans uh, or, and pro- probably clock this guy immediately. Or on the other side of thing, people whose kids are big I- iCarly fans. We are that just too. right in the middle of awful like timing. Yeah, that too. All right. Let's go to our uh, next audio clip here. Abby finds Eric and asks him about all this smoking stuff. Hey. Hey. Uh-oh. National Enquirer. Embarrassing, I know, but... Jody's a gossip junkie. I'm just start smoking. Oh, a while ago. What's a while? What difference does it make? I don't know. Nobody starts smoking over the age of 25. What can I say? I'm a late bloomer. No, I'm serious. Eric, it's really not good. Well, you smoke, and you've been smoking since you were what, eight? <sighs> That's cute. We're not talking about me. You're right. How's Jody? I don't know. She seems better. She's not pregnant. Was that a possibility? I don't know. You tell me. Well, yeah, I guess. Oh, come on. What if... Okay, what if she was? Then what? But she's not. Yeah, but you just said she could be. But she's not. What are you doing, Eric? What's going on? Okay, Mom, I'm having sex with my girlfriend. I mean, what are you, a nun? Dude, you show up here with this girl who's barely out of her teens, who maybe could be pregnant. But is On some weird impromptu leave. People take vacation. You're renting a plane that I know you can't afford. Oh, I forgot. You're a financial wizard. Oh, don't. Don't mock me. I'm not the one who's... Who's what? In love? 
Oh, you're in love. I don't know. Maybe. Is that such a bad thing? Yeah. Just no. <laughs> totally normal actions of a totally reasonable human being. Yeah, I um, I have I have to think that just because I feel like he nails it so well, I have mm-hmm. to I have to feel like Tom Scott must have done a little bit of film watching and must have studied a little bit of Sally Field's mannerisms mm-hmm. as Maggie. Oh yes, because he kind of nails it. Like he kind of nails not just the general symptoms of bipolar, but like kind of nails some of the Maggie mannerisms. Yeah, like her cadence and stuff like that. You can definitely mm-hmm. hear it in his voice yeah like and it's just enough that like it's not over the top and so like it it kind of plants a little seed of doubt in your own mind as the audience of like you're kind of in abby's shoes where you're like is he fucking like manic right now or is this am i just like projecting and like it's just a really like they're doing a good job of like towing the line or is abby just a party pooper yeah i mean and and like they mentioned later in the episode like she has reason to you know kind of have her her radar tuned a little bit sensitively. Like she's got probably a solid 25, 30 years of trauma at this point surrounding bipolar. So of course she's going to have, you know, alarm bells going off and, you know, so it's, it, it kind of creates this extra layer of tension as you're watching it. Yes. Uh, but as you heard at the end of the clip there, a uh, man starts screaming for help uh, from the L platform. We find out that's uh, we find Sarah who has uh, collapsed on the stairs uh, and starts seizing. Oh, boy. The contractually obligated fuck Lauren moment of the week. Uh, uh, yeah. And even worse, because I was home alone for notes for this. So I know a listener did ask they wanted my read on this seizure. And I'll say, guys, I just saw it happen out of the corner of my eye. I didn't watch it. Lizzie will be better equipped to give feedback on the quality of the seizure. I give it a C. Okay. Yeah, I, did, I didn't think it was anything particularly remarkable, like good or bad. Just thought it kind of was. Um, so, yeah, that's not great. We will find out what's going on with that in just a bit. Uh, but for now, we check in with Allison, who wants to take her mask off now that her sats have come up. Uh, we hear that they left a message for her dad. That becomes important in a bit. Uh, she's got pneumonia for the fifth time just this year uh, and is kind of over the whole thing and wants to sign a DNR. And uh, I forget if it's Carter or Nathan she says this to, but she says, don't take it personally. I just don't want any more help. I'm ready to die. Nathan. That's, nope. Carter. Nathan steps in shortly after. She does oh, this okay, discussion with the DNR with Carter. Because then Nathan comes and meets her more. And yes, like, oh. yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So I think it's Carter. And uh, we go back to Sarah. She's still seizing. Lizzie says she has a scalp lack, but she has no gag reflex and is not protecting her airway. So they got got a tuber and Aaron gets to tuber uh, they also need Lizzie to sign Allison's DNR as a witness so oh and then sorry just I read what was coming up and I just gagged for no good reason uh, <laughs> Abby is watching Eric and Jody kiss as Carter walks up to her and Carter says well she better be feeling better because I gave her some Demerol for a migraine um Cool. They're, not, they're also not just kissing. Either. They're like they're they're practically eating each other's faces. Like, yeah, it's, it's which is why Lauren was disgusted because that it is it is a bit much. It's a bit much. All much. Um, but yeah, I love Carter's thing throughout this whole episode. Is oh, young love is great. Like yeah. he's just giving Abby a hard time for the whole thing, and it's like really, dude. Uh, he's completely oblivious. But, 
but then Jerry is trying to resell lottery tickets with his patented number selection system, because of course it is, to which somebody points out that it's it's a felony to resell lottery tickets. This this feels like something they dusted off from like the season three episode gag file. Like this feels yes. like this feels like such an early episode early season episode thing for Jerry to be doing, and I'm just I'm very excited for it. It's such a like it's one of those like simplistic little gags that runs throughout the episode that I just they don't do as much of as the years go on and I just I enjoy it so much. It's so good. Uh, but then a cop is brought in with a shredded hand from the shooting earlier. I tend to have the headcanon that this was from the shooting with the Confederate douchebag. Mm. Could be. Yeah, they never really like connect the dots on that. But uh, our cop here is played by actress uh, Audrey Wazluski, uh, who appears in stuff like Red, Big Love, and is our other Mad Men slash In a Snit connection for this episode, where she plays uh, Peggy's sister, uh, the... Uh, the the prudy sister who uh, hangs out with her mom all the time i think her mom lives with her um and she always kind of like shames peggy for having a life and or oh I, when you said peggy i th- i heard betty no peggy and i was very conf- like just you were right my brain just totally heard that wrong and i was like the fuck you know you're absolutely right the cranky sister um, yes the cranky sister i, I believe her uh, character's name is anita anita break uh, but the- <laughs> my life. Uh, Shut up, Lauren. <laughs> I love you, Lauren. <laughs> and then Abby uh, needs to go to a meeting with Romano about the complaint for Luca, and she puts Nathan on the case with the cop to irrigate her hand and give her an exam. And then Carter is giving Allison's dad an update on her status and about the DNR. Her dad goes, "She's just depressed. She gets that way sometimes." Because, of course, he loves her and he wants to try and talk her out of it. And Carter's like, no, she'll eventually need a complete heart and lung transplant if she keeps going. And um, Dad says, if you don't want to fight for her, I'll find a doctor who will. Okay, so the dad here, Mr. DeLuca, uh, is can is what can only be best described as the dirtbag from the beginning of the episode's stand-in. Like, he looks like the guy that they would sub in for the the racist guy who got shot earlier in the episode. He looks like the guy they would sub in for him when he needs to go pee. Like, because he's dressed exactly the same, but with a different colored bandana. Like, that's literally the only difference in their wardrobe is that Mm -hmm. this dude has a blue bandana and the shitbag earlier in the episode had a Confederate bandana. Maybe that's how they tell them apart. Maybe they go the Confederate one is the racist. Um and I guess this guy's got a blue headband, so Confederate in the Union? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. There you go. I was going to go Crips, but sure. Uh, the <laughs> father here, Mr. DeLuca, he is played by actor Keith, Lord help me, Keith Zarbachka? 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 Uh, we'll go with that. Uh, he has uh, a bunch of credits to his name. He has appeared in stuff like Transformers, Dark of the Moon, The Dark Knight, and the movie that uh, Lauren and Lizzie still need to watch but never will, Argo. Uh, and he has 255 credits to his name. We'll watch Argo right after Lauren finishes The Wire. Which will happen when Daniel comes down for a weekend to go climbing with me. So it's there's a lot of contingencies here. It's a domino effect here, Daniel. Gotta get your off your ass. Come on. Anyway, uh, Nathan's working on the cop while Lizzie guides him through it. Um, she says, it's my first week. I've been scared every day. 
And Nathan said, uh, was it Nathan that says Lizzie. this? It, it, oh, Lizzie says, if it's not what you are expecting, there's no shame in exploring other options. Wink. Wink. Also, if you're scared, don't become a cop. Yeah. Little PSA for you. Or just don't become a cop. Well, yeah, but especially if, if but especially if you're scared, because uh, scared cops kill people. So, exactly. Uh, maybe don't. If you know, there's lots of public libraries out there. Go work at one of or those. Or be like a receptionist at the station or something. Hmm. I don't know. Do the stations have receptionists? I have no idea. I, you're Clerk? Talk, talking to the wrong person. Haven't spent very much time in police stations. Let me tell you. Uh, Never said foot in one. But we go from there. Uh, Aaron is uh, calling Lizzie to go and check on Sarah. Uh, and Nathan chases after her and asks if that officer might be dealing with PTSD. Um, this is going to this is gonna basically lead into what happens in the rest of the episode. It really has nothing to do with the cop. It's more about Nathan being more kind of invested in the medical, the, the patient, you know, patient. They're kind of rehashing a little bit of the Carter thing, <laughs> like that he's more interested in like hanging out with patients and like getting into their their trauma and their background and stuff than he is the surgical aspects of things, um, which I don't really know if they do that much with, as I recall, with this little storyline. But we'll we'll see how that kind of unfolds throughout the rest of this episode. Um, it, we find out Aaron ran labs on Sarah for some obscure substances. Uh, and Lauren, whose films are those? This was the worst possible point to put it in, but there was no no other spot that I caught it. This is what I get for doing notes on my own. And they realize that uh, Sarah may have been drugged, and uh, Aaron lifts up her gown to show bruising and cuts on her thighs. And uh, this story, Wonderful. this story is bad, but it will somehow get worse. Boy, howdy, won't it? Oh, I had com- yeah. I had completely forgotten where this one was going. All right. Well, before we get to that horrifying st- revelation, uh, we got to have go up to a meeting with Romano, Carrie, and the nursing director. Uh, the director wants to do an investigation on the entire physician staff. Abby says that Chun- uh, that al- Je- uh, Abby almost says that Chuni slept with Luca and Romano. Of course, ever the politician says, "How do we twi- untwist everybody's panties?" It's not it's not good, but it is also great at the same time. Like the way he the way he delivers all these lines and I love him eating the fruit with yes. his with his good arm as they're doing all this. Like just like uh they haven't got to get lunchtime in where you can. It doesn't matter how sad he was last episode. Like he, he he's still the the old guy's still in there. Uh, and the, so this meeting that they're having with the nursing director here, this is one of my favorite examples of the, again, the why did they bother department? Uh, <laughs> they, they dug this lady up from the depths of the shadow realm just to give her one last, I'm sure meager paycheck for this episode. Uh, our nursing director here, Mary, she is the very same nursing director that the last time we saw her was all the way back in season three when she was in conflict with Carol. That's how long Jesus. ago. That's how long it has been since we saw this person, and okay. this is her final appearance. So I need to tell you this. I was like, "It's like season three. Okay, that's not. Oh my god! Like that's just that how was my brain six did years that. ago. Like Clinton was starting his second term. Like Clinton was getting no. He was getting ready to start his second term. He hadn't had the ninety six was an election year, so it was he was getting ready to start his second term." 
and we're already past 9-11 in the timeline. So it's been a minute since the last time we saw Mary. Oh, my God. Uh, but then Carter walks in to check on Allison, and we see Nathan brought her flowers that were half off from the gift shop. And Dad, went, out, Dad went outside to walk it off. And Nathan's talking about how he thinks there's hope for her. So this can only go well. This will be fine. Nothing can come of this. This will be great. Um, but then Abby runs down to talk to Luca, try and beat Carrie over there. But Eric confronts her and delays her from getting to Luca before Carrie does. Eric was really hoping they could crash at Abby's place because, you know, they were only staying for a little bit of time and it just might be a good chance for them to all spend time together. And blah, 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 blah. You, you've really got that manic uh, uh, speech yeah. pattern down. It's it's like I've lived it, too. Uh, uh, and ooh. then uh, Luca walks out from the treatment room looking very dejected after Carrie has spoken to him. And Carrie just off the cuff says to Lizzie that she needs her to do a rape exam because she's now down an ER attending. Uh, great, cool, awesome, stellar. And Abby goes to the lounge to grab her keys and talk to Luca. And we find out that he is suspended while they look into things. Fun times. Uh, Lizzie's doing the exam on Sarah with Aaron and Abby there while she's unconscious. Uh, Sarah's dad has arrived and they keep him in the hall, obviously, because of the type of exam they're doing. Can't imagine he wants to see that. Mm -hmm. There is a semen present, someone called CSI Squad, and they need consent to do a full kit. I just thought of the damn uh, ice cube. Just, you're telling me. Oh, iced tea. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, iced tea. (laughs) Definitely very different there. Oh, I'm done, guys. I'm, fuck it. I'm over it. Um, But Uh, yeah, I'm just. You're telling that me someone left semen. In stop! The- no, 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 Lizzie, stop! <laughs> the point is, by alluding to it, we didn't have to do the bit. Remember, I'm the one who takes everything too far. I love you, and you love me for it. Sure, <laughs> Lizzie, the walking intrusive thought. Um, <laughs> and goddamn right. And the dad here is played by actor Peter McKenzie, who appears in stuff like Trumbo, Herman's Head, and a recurring role on the TV series Blackish, and uh, has 129 credits to his name. Uh, nothing to sneeze at, but not quite as much as 255 as uh, our substitute dirtbag from earlier. Uh, but in any event, we go from there. Uh, Lizzie makes a snide remark about if Nathan and Allison are dating now, and. Uh, She's talking to Carter at this point. She says, uh, and uh, then Carter, uh, her and Carter are talking. Carter says, I don't think he'll make the best surgeon, but he seems to have a way with patience. Which, again, I feel like there's some similarities. Like, I feel like Carter would be best equipped to recognize that. And yet he's still kind of dismissive of the whole thing. Uh, And Lizzie says that, uh, very snidely, maybe he could be a nursing liaison. Ugh. Great, because there's nothing else in medicine that he could do, right? Like that—that's the—that's Lizzie's sort of very narrow view of this whole situation. Is like, well, obviously his condition is going to prevent him from being a surgeon. There isn't dozens of other things in the medical field that he could possibly do that would, you know, benefit both him and society. But like, Lizzie just seems to take this shitty attitude towards like, oh, like this is blah, blah, blah. Like, and it's just, I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of where Lizzie is in this episode, particularly where no. they left her at the end of last episode. I don't know why. Like, I, I think they did like just kind of overstep their boundaries a little bit. And they were just like, Oh, we, we wrapped that up too tight. Now we need to unravel it a little bit. Just yeah. Bring it it's, back. It's not, 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 not great. 
we then find out Sarah's dad has shown up uh, asking where she is. Uh, Pratt is then headed home for the evening, asks if Chen got her lotto tickets yet. Uh, she's seated kind of uh, off outside the triage area uh, doing charts instead of going home. Uh, and he uh, offers her a beer, says that they should go out and uh, have a drink just to unwind after such a stressful day. Uh, and I believe it's Chen who says we treat mm-hmm. crazy people here. It's nothing new. And just as she says that, a patient, an unruly patient, is being wheeled past to the elevators behind her. Uh, a patient of Chen's because Halei says something to the effect of, like, I gave her the Haldol and it didn't do shit. What do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Um and it's a patient named Dorothy, uh, who is played by actress Holgi Forrester, which is just an A tier name. That's a, that's excellent. That's a name and a half, Holgi Forrester, uh, and she's best known for appearing in stuff like uh, As Evil Does and recurring roles on Days of Our Lives and The Young and the Restless, uh, both in the '80s, I believe. Uh, she had 122 credits to her name, so shout out to good old Ho- Holgi. Um. Also, on a on a bit of if I could backtrack ever so slightly on a bit of a layout mm-hmm. tip, there's a, a scene very early in the episode where Carter and Lizzie are chatting and they are talking about Nathan and they go to walk through a, a door and they come out from an area that it's basically what it's it's an area that I don't think we've seen before and I don't know that we'll ever see it again. It's essentially an alternate curtains area where there's a bunch of beds lined up and curtains and stuff, and then there's a set of double doors, and Carter opens the door, and Lizzie walks through ahead of him, and he follows her. And then when they come back, when the shot turns around and they're they're coming towards the camera, they're coming back to admit out of an area that used to lead to the cafeteria. Mm. And so they've created this whole like auxiliary curtains area that I don't think we've ever seen before, and I don't know if we'll ever see it again. But it was just really strange to me that they just created this whole new section of the floor that I don't think we've been shown before. And I don't know why they would go to the trouble of, like, doing that. I'm, like, 3% tempted to go watch this just to see what you're talking about because it's piqued my curiosity. So, yeah. So, I, I actually uh, – I went and checked the time codes, and I, I jumped the gun on it. But it – so, we'll, we'll, we can talk about it more in depth when we get there. But it starts at 3336. And Lizzie is doing, like, a wound check on a guy's foot. And her and Carter are talking. It's this little, like, auxiliary curtains area. And then they go through a set of double doors. And when they're coming out the other way, they're coming back from the doorway that usually leads in the past has led to the cafeteria. So it's just a interesting little spot that I, like, like I said, on a layout tip, I don't know that we've ever seen before. And I don't know if we'll ever see again. Uh, so then we go over into the... Uh... Oh my God! What do we call it? The the, the exposition. Yeah, the, the Duggan yes. the Duggan uh, Duggan Carroll Memorial Exposition Closet. That one. Uh, we go over there, and Hale and Abby are talking about the whole situation with Kovach. And Hale says, "I like I like Doctor Kovach, but I stand with any other nurse when there's a problem with a doctor because." We might not be appreciated, but damn it, we're going to be respected. And she's like, "Yeah, we do this every couple of years just to remind them that we have a voice." Yeah, it, just, oh, I just want to note, I forgot to put the timestamp in here, but it is an A++ performance by Yvette Freeman. And if you're watching this episode, make sure to pay attention to this scene because we haven't had a good, like, Halle scene in a while. So, yeah, just, mm. yeah, it's it's uh, so good. Maybe, maybe 
some of her finest work period mm-hmm. like it's just a really excellent halay scene and like comes out yeah. of nowhere when she's like when i was like yeah but you know like we really like luke and she goes I don't care. I've been here for forever. Like I've seen doctors. Yeah, she's like, like, I've seen doctors come and go. You better believe I'm going to make sure that my nurses are respected. Mm. Damn. Hale says workers rights. Exactly. (laughs) And then we go over to Allison and Nathan. They're talking about her condition and she dreams of the ocean, but not being able to swim up or breathe, which in a woman with her, with her condition, I can see that. I don't know. I don't know how to take that. Actually, I, I took it as like real dark Zoomer humor. Like, yeah, <laughs> gotcha. I okay. took it as like, LOL. I wish I was dead, bro. Like that kind of you know nihilistic humor. And and Nathan says your body knows it isn't over. And Nathan giving her some sage wisdom as Lizzie watches and they wheel her to head upstairs. Yeah, I like how he's like, but you wake up. <clears throat> like you do wake up. You do fight another day. Like, your body knows it's not done yet. And Lizzie's watching, and she's like, fuck. He might be kind of good at this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, no, Jesus, God, why? It will become relevant in two episodes. Um, So I want to say, with this next part, I thought this storyline was going, I almost was going to say, in a much darker place than where it ends up but a different dark place than where it ends up. Um, I At first I was like, fuck, are they going to do something real shitty with the dad? And then it completely 180'd over to something different. But so Sarah has woken up. Um, it's a weird point of view shot for a minute where they do it from her looking up at the doctors. And she remembers being on the train with Pat and Andy heading into the city. And we were laughing about something. And we were laughing and... Lizzie goes to say what they think happened and dad stops her and pulls her out into the hallway and dad's like, nope, we'll sign her out. I'll get her checked out separately. I want to spare her from this. Someone hurt her body, but they don't have to ruin her life. I couldn't protect her, but maybe I can protect her from this. And the awful cynical part of my brain who didn't remember how this episode actually went was like, fuck, what if the dad did it and he's trying to cover his tracks? Yeah, no, I 100% thought that's where it was going at this point. And like, I was like, oh, well, you know, this is our, you you know, we we were about due for one of these. Like we were were about due for a upsetting, you know, sexual assault based storyline and yep. and then by the end of the episode i was like somehow it's worse right not only is it somehow worse but it also feels like there is some sort of bizarre quota that they try to fill once every mm-hmm. season where it's like man pff, don't don't forget y'all young girls just be fucking like they just seem to like slip that in at least yep. once a season where it's like some young girl comes in and is doing some wacky sex shit that no one in the history of the world has ever thought of and they just feel the like need to like remind us that oh don't forget you know like it's it's kind of a weird little flex that they t- tend to go back to yeah don't love but it. I'm I'm horrible and I was absolutely like, I bet it was the dad yeah no I thought the same exact thing I was like yeah the, no of course the dad doesn't want them to do the full exam he's the one who did it because uh, I immediately remembered well and was like god damn it, it's this patient would isn't it great to remember things Lizzie uh but. <laughs> Then a man is brought in with glass sticking out of his forehead from the car that crashed into people buying lotto tickets. And as they're dealing with this, Eric is on the phone as Carter and Abby work on this guy. He wants to know where the blender is because they want milkshakes. And maybe they'll go to Navy Pier dancing after work. (sighs) Great. And uh, they secure the glass so they can get this guy up to surgery and get it safely extracted. Weird personal connection to this scene. I, um... 
in my former life as a personal trainer slash person who worked in a gym regularly, one of my side responsibilities in that job was I was the CPR AED first aid guy for the whole organization. So like I had to round people up in groups, bring them into the little daycare center over in the corner and make them watch the video, you know, and make do the test and, you know, do compressions on the dummy, all that stuff. And during the first aid portion of the, uh, the training, there were videos that I, I had from American Red Cross. And one of the videos covered, um, like puncture injuries, stabbing injuries, you know, like if somebody falls on, you know, a na- steps on a nail or if somebody gets, you know, whatever. And by far the wildest part of the entire training process is like, they're talking to you about all these things you should and shouldn't do. And they kind of did this with all the stuff. Like they would, they would go through the bullet point list of like, here's what you should do. Here's what you shouldn't do. And then you watch a little video to illustrate for this one. There's no warning whatsoever. It just goes like if in the event that someone suffers a, you know, penetrating injury and and is you know something is sticking out of them here's what you should do here's what you shouldn't do immediate hard cut to a woman like just like with a piece of glass sticking out of her rib cage and just like kind of like not she's not upset so like she's just kind of like slightly <laughs> whimpering it was so bizarre and it would have it would elicit the same reaction i must have watched that video you, 10 dozen times you, because i had to sit you, there every class You've broken Lizzie. <laughs> and it would elicit the same reaction from the class every single time. Everybody would always be like, oh, God. Like, it would always be the same thing. <laughs> like, none of the other things were that graphic. None of the other. They were all just, like, goofy simulated training videos. And then all of a sudden, it's like, bam, glass sticking out of the rib cage. Suck it, losers. Smash cut. Yeah, like, weird smash gore cut. It was just so bizarre. And I just, this reminded me of that. The, the guy with the, like... He's got the unicorn uh, piece yeah. of glass like sticking out of the top of his head and talking about how milkshakes sound really good. <laughs> like it's just weird, weird little detour. All right. Uh, go back to Nathan. He lets Lizzie know that Allison wants to speak to her because Nathan has successfully talked Allison into wanting the transplants. So let's hear what Carter has to say about that in our next audio clip. So do we call Yunos now or work her up first? What are you doing? She didn't have all the facts. Do you know what it's going to take to keep her alive for transplant? If she even qualifies for transplant this time and they find a match? It's not worth it. There's a shot at a cure. She's dying. She's suffocating. That's her reality. Well, there are a lot of realities. Stem cell research is a reality. Stem cells? It's coming. (laughs) Whether the government approves it or not, it's coming. You know that. Embryonic stem cells can be used to grow any tissue in the human body. What, you told her that we could grow her new lungs? She's got a genetic disease. Stem cells can fix the defect at the genetic level. Yeah, maybe in 50 years. No, in five years. The science is there in five years if we get past all this political posturing. Do you know what it took for her to face her mortality? I think I do. For me to convince her father to accept it? Oh, this is about your time. No, this is about you. Going in there with your own agenda and giving her false hope. It's not false. Oh, no? The flowers were an interesting touch. Well, you gave her 10 minutes. There is such a thing as dying with dignity. Listen, every time a woman goes in for in vitro and harvests eggs, there are extra blastocysts. I I know the issue. She's suffering. She doesn't care about politics. It's the politics that are killing her. M-I-N-1, cured. All heart disease gone. Cancer in four, cured. Alzheimer's, cured. The spinal cord injury this morning, cured. Parkinson's disease, 
cured. We're out of business, pal. I know that you need to believe that. Pack up all this crap, take it away. And I would love to believe in miracles, too, but she's dying. She's dying, Nathan. And the only question is, how well? She's 26 years old. There's no dying well. You're giving up. Oh, remember when we thought stem cells would cure absolutely everything? I know. This, it, like, it's kind of, it's always the fun. That's always one of the funnest uh, parts of doing this is, is going back and, and looking at everything with the benefit of hindsight and knowing, well, oh, well, you know, like, it's so quaint that they're talking about all these issues that we would, we would eventually sort out and, like, whatever, you know. And then sometimes with stuff like this, it's like, it's, it's rare that we see them being too optimistic about something. Like it's rare that we see them being like, because mm -hmm. th and that was one of the more, um, they're usually not that it's not good, but like uh, they're usually much more subtle and not quite so brazen in their political commentary with the dialogue. Like it, that was very soapboxy. Like on the part of the writer, like a part on the part of the people that wrote the words that came out of Don Cheadle's mouth. Like that, that was very much them wagging their finger at, you know, the, the, the political climate of 2002. The Bush administration. Yeah. The Bush administration cracked down hard on right. this. And, and they're, they're just very, um, very open. About, and, and again, I'm on their side. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're, they're wrong to do that. It's just that it's, it's, jarring and sort of unusual to hear them be so outwardly kind of like you know you get get your shit together guys you're fucking wrong about this um and uh yeah it's just it was very interesting and and, and again it's, it's sort of odd and quaint to to look back on it now and go like whew, like he's sort of right you know nathan is but like carter ends up being a little bit more right of just like they're they're never going to get past the political aspects of those issues like we're, we're I, I at this point i don't know if we ever will get to to know the full potential of stem cell applications just because simply because of that like simply because of the political aspects of it yeah that's not to say that stem cell research hasn't Oh, no, no, fruit, no, not at all for sure because there's definitely like cancer treatments and different right. different things that involve but it, but it cells, hasn't been but... the uh, the miracle breakthrough that I think they were anticipating it could be if, you know, people could just get past their baggage about it uh, back in the early 2000s. You know, and that's not to say that it might not have been able to be that if we could have gotten past some of those issues. But I just don't know that we ever will see that in our society. I was going to be a smartass about it, but I didn't want to, you know, fan the flames there. No. So let's it carry on. It just reminds me of the whole uh, CRISPR thing from a few years ago where everyone was like, oh, my God, gene editing is going to be like the the big thing. We're going to be able to, like, make Gattaca babies or whatever. <laughs> Gattaca <laughs> like, babies. Like, no, I seriously <laughs> read some stuff like, oh, we're going to be able to custom make the human race now. It's like, oh, the hell? a little eugenics -y to me. This is this. This tech is not nearly as advanced as you think it is. I also have no but idea that, what you're talking about. What happens next? Yeah, I was a, I, <laughs> I, I was a stupid uh, young person, you know, just coming out of high school, going into college when all that CRISPR stuff was coming out. And I, for the life of me, could not figure out how the vegetable drawer in my refrigerator could be used for gene editing. Uh, that was that exactly. was my big thing. Every time I would hear that come up, I would be like, the, the veggie drawer? Like, really? 
That's the secret <laughs> this whole time. <laughs> Got to make your grilled cheeses crisper. That's how uh, you edit your jeans. But yes, yeah, so we, we go from there to uh, Carter complaining to Lizzie about Nathan and uh, Allison. And she, now he's changed his tune. And he wants her to just supervise him, basically, you know, leave <laughs> leave me out of it, essentially. Uh, and this is the part of the episode where I was referring to earlier, where they do the sort of uh, odd layout transition. And we all watched the clip of this during our break, uh, just to refresh everyone's memory. And I think the conclusion that I at least came to, I don't know if you know these two want to co-sign it, but I think the conclusion that I came to is I think they are in the tree or. Uh, what is it? The suture room area, like that would be at the opposite end on the other side of the um, trauma rooms. But they go through a set of double doors and then they swap perspectives and have them coming in from the cafeteria end of the building. So I think it's just a slick transition. I really don't, I really am doubting that they built an entire, you know, auxiliary part of the ER just for this one little nothing scene. I think it's just a little bit of clever editing and, you know, clever perspective changing. Um, but it's one of those things that like, wait a minute, like you just came from the opposite end of the floor and somehow managed to go through a magic door that teleported you to the other side of the hospital. Not buying it. I have, I have to take your word for it because I need to watch it eight more times. That's fair. So, um, it is weird. It is weird. It, it was. It's a little weird. The lighting is weird. Like just everything, every part about. It. And I think that's part of it too. I think they're trying to make it look unique. I think they're trying to make it not look like it usually does. Because if you if you'll also notice in that scene in the background, several of the dirty uh, ceiling tiles that Lauren loves to point out are just straight up missing. Like they have been removed. Where I would assume when they're filming normally in there, those are occupied by lights. So I think that's what's happening there. But in any event, they, it's time for them to finally announce the lottery numbers. Yay. Uh, Yay. Abby is uh, off into the lounge to talk to Carter. Uh, she's going off to Navy Pier to go dance with Eric and Jody. Uh, and this is where she starts to confide some of her concerns about the um, the goings-on with Eric about Carter uh, with Carter here. She says, I just wish I could go be someplace quiet with him. Uh, she's voicing her concerns about him being, quote, too happy. And Carter tries to assuage her fears a little bit here and is just like, you know, maybe you're being a little bit sensitive given your history. Uh, but don't think that's it. Uh, and then uh, we go over to a little bit of uh, hot uh, hookup action uh, for your 10 p.m. Thursday night time slot on network TV. Uh, a little hot and heavy between Chet and Pratt. Uh, they unfortunately don't get very far as they get uh, broken up by Leon. Uh, who shows up yeah remember that storyline remember that whole thing that's uh going on against all of our wills uh leon shows up yelling about winning the lotto and uh chen bails out so pratt's pissed uh we then uh go back to the er carrie tells abby uh that luca is going to be coming in for counseling tomorrow and she wants him back on the schedule in just a few days and uh, that counseling is uh, going to be done by the nurse manager and uh abby this is where abby's like can i quit <laughs> like can i not be this can i not have this job anymore um i also <laughs> also like carrie being like did you clock out or did you go change to go home then and change. then clock out and then she's like actually i don't care just uh, and uh, Lizzie is sending Sarah home without telling her what happened and as a minor dad gets to gets the right to discharge without her knowing great fun great. times uh, but Nathan has gotten his wish he is on call tomorrow night and will be on for 32 hours straight Ugh. 
Have fun with that, sir. I'm making this face because you guys gave me this. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> no, I'll do it. It's fine. <laughs> Fucking really. Um, but then, because why, why stick to things? Uh, Lizzie is cleaning up Sarah's head wound. And she says, you know, like, hey, I have to tell you something. Upon examination, you were sexually assaulted. And she's like, what? Who told you you could do that? I didn't say you could examine me. And Lizzie was like, no, you were unconscious. It's procedure. And uh, just, wow. She says, I wasn't raped, you stupid bitch. Special K, it makes the sex all kind of swirly. Like you have 20 boyfriends and they all love you. She says, yeah, we do it every weekend. Um, I see sometimes, but we usually have Ativan or Xanax, and all the guys say I'm the best. Can she just be the shitty kids list this season? <laughs> Holy what? shit. Because this, this girl's like 14, She right? is 14. She's 14? Okay, I remember that correctly. Jesus. Jesus fucking Christ. This, this is, uh, woof. I hadn't even held a boy's hand at fourteen. Okay. Mm. Going back to the, the going f- back to the CRISPR thing, I, my for, dumb, for sheltered fourteen-year-old ass, I would have been like, "Special K, really? The cereal? Like that cereal? That that does it yeah, for you? That does it. <laughs> Mom, we need more Special K. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. For the listeners, ketamine. Yes. To do yeah, ketamine. Ketamine. But Jesus speaking of Christ. things that have. Speaking of things that are undergoing interesting medical I was going to say, yeah, ketamine's uh, making what, having a bit of a glow up, as it is, yeah. <laughs> as it were. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just what the fuck? Yeah, it's a weird, like I said, they, it feels like some kind of weird contractual obligation they have to fulfill where there has to be one of these weird, like, teen sex freak storylines every season. Um, but it feels like, it feels like... Um, this is a little bit of like sensationalized storytelling. I like. I will say, the uh, the heel turn by this actress is fucking perfect. Yeah, right? I was kind of surprised. Just like the the look that comes over her face. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to to find out looking at her IMDb that she really hasn't done a whole lot. Like she did she did some stuff around this age, you know, when she was a teenager, uh, and then of course she was on Mad Men for a while. But it, like she hasn't really like completely broken through and and become like a a consistent uh person i mean she's a great actress like she's clearly capable of doing you know multiple things (laughs) like she's i mean it's only five years from now that she's gonna be on mad men yeah no that's what i'm saying yeah but i just mean like post mad men like she hasn't really you know capitalized on that much we're gonna round off our episode here with two audio clips let's start with abby eric Carter and Jody at Navy Pier. Catholic school refugees. Both of us. Uh, Abby was completely famous. She had a Sex Pistols t-shirt that she wore over her jumper. <laughs> I hope you saved that uniform. And you were pretty bad yourself because you got caught making out with <laughs> Justine Michelli in the vestry. Uh, church always brought up the romantic in me. Good to know. How long are you guys going to stay for? I don't know, not so sure. We still got some sightseeing we want to do. Oh yeah, I heard the art museum's really neat. Yeah, but we're just playing it by ear, you know? Hang out for a couple days before Ohio. Aren't you due back at the base? Not for a couple weeks, I'm on extended leave. A couple weeks? Yeah, like I said, I was overdue. Did you tell her about the interview? What interview? O'Hare, they're looking for experienced controllers. Hello? Don't you have, like, another 
year left on your thing? I do, but I'm just exploring my options, you know? I can't stay in the Air Force forever. I know, but... Hey, is she always like this? Don't do that. You know what? You're a little tense. I think you and I should take a spin. Ooh, no, 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 Come no, on! No, no. Do you want me to embarrass you in front of your boyfriend by telling more horror stories from my school? Stop it. All right. Did you hear about the one time she um, almost set the garage on ah, fire? Her. She used to like this guy named Rafe. Okay, Rafe. that's it. No, wait, I want to hear more about Rafe. All right. I said okay. Walker dude in more leather pants. She really loves you. You think so? Yeah. So comfortable together, you know? Intimate. Without, you know, needing to show off. Uh, Abby says that you guys have known each other for... A couple of weeks. Yeah. Love this song. Do you love the song? Just wanna dance? Come on. Let's dance. Come on. Look, kids, it's a pop culture time capsule. Uh, cause that's uh, the Dixie. Well, what are now known as just the chicks, but at the time were the Dixie chicks, uh, who are just four short months away from having the full weight and breadth of the right-wing government <gasps> clamped mm -hmm. down on top of them for having the audacity to be white country artists that spoke out against the Iraq war. Yeah, I would say once the Iraq war gets in a full swing. And kudos to those girls the because they fucking stuck to their guns. Like, they were yeah. like, no, this is bullshit. Fuck you guys. And then they were like, you know, country music media and right-wing media at large lost their minds and they were like you know, fuck your cancel culture. Like, that shit was cancel culture. Like, they, like, ruined their... They went from being, like, some of the biggest stars in country music to, like, kind of having their career torpedoed in a blink of an eye. And when all that happened, not only did they not, like, back down, they kind of doubled down on it. Like, they kind of were like, no, extra fuck you. And then, you know, 10 years later, 15 years later, whatever it was, they changed their name and, you know, said gave just a big double bird to the whole industry. So, love those ladies. I mean, they're still touring. Oh yeah, they're still they're, they're, they're still, still around. Successful. Yeah, they're still around, and they're still doing their. And they had they have had a bit of a renaissance in the last five years. Now that the younger generation is starting to like read up and find out about all this shit, you know, uh, it's kind of having a bit of a, a renaissance. They're all I know is all I know is I never saw after that whole thing went down. I never saw the video for Landslide, which I think that was their big like hit around that time it's an excellent cover of the fleetwood mac song and it yeah, actually I, breaks my heart i never saw it on um vh1 yeah. so i'd watch vh1 on saturday mornings because they would do a top 10 of the week but yeah because i was i had a moment where i was like wait is this like a little bit of a subtle like protest thing by the er producers no we're still like a few months away from that happening it was yeah. march of 2003 was when they you know they yep. get canceled quote unquote uh, I will be sure to cover it in depth in the, in the news yeah, section. But uh, oh yeah, this was just them being really, really popular at uh, ER doing their their licensed music bit. All right, and let's uh, round out the episode. We're going to s listen to Lizzie and Nathan on the L platform. Hi. Hey. Uh hear the organ service guide Allison on the UNOS list. Yes, I know. Status too. It's a nice feeling. What? 
When you realize you've affected someone's life, touch them in some way. You think she'll last long enough? One can only hope. You on your meds? Uh, got a little off schedule. You can't get up, can you? I'll catch the next one. I can wait. No, no, it's all right. They'll kick you. That's a nice night. It's okay. Go ahead. I'll see you tomorrow. I expect you will. I just have to say, I called it from the minute we saw him sitting there. Like, it's probably super obvious, but I was just like, he can't get up. No. Mm. But I love how he's like, I've always like, no, it's good. I'll see you tomorrow. Like, this is just part of it. I can't even imagine what it's like to live with something like mm. that. Yeah. Very help helpless. And me. remain as hopeful as his character right. is. Mm -hmm. Is it just me, or is this episode kind of all over the place? <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> There's, a, there's some stuff in here that I really, really like. You know, like, I think Halei is outstanding this episode. I think uh, Don Cheadle is uh, really, I mean, not not that he needs, you know, my fucking stamp of approval. But just, like, I'm I'm really impressed with how quickly he manages to get comfortable. Especially knowing that he's only there for four episodes. Like, he, he manages to get comfortable with the character that he's playing and the, the notes that he needs to hit. Like, he, he gets comfortable very, very quickly. Um, to the point where it doesn't feel like he just showed up last episode. It feels like he's been around much longer. Um, but like, and also a uh, shout out to, to um, uh, Tom Scott playing Eric. Like he, like I said, he clearly did his homework and studied up on some Sally field as Maggie. Um, mm -hmm. But there's a lot in this episode that is just like, like I, like I talked about from the, I think the thing that really causes the whole thing to unravel for me is that Lizzie's characterization is all over the fucking map. Like we feel, it seems like we have completely lost the thread on her since the last episode. And I'm just so confused. Like they're, they're clearly trying to walk back some of the stuff that we accomplished in the last episode, but they don't. Like, I, I don't know. I just, I'm very unsatisfied with where we end up with her by the end of this. And then Carter and Abby are just like, just there. Like I wasn't, I didn't find myself repulsed by them in this episode, no. but I did find them, did find myself really like having it shoved in my face. How like boring they are. Like they just bore me to tears. Like that's the best I can hope <laughs> from them is that they bore me to tears. And at worst, they just really annoy me. But it's just, I don't know, it's it's a very uneven episode. Yeah, my favorite part, I think, I, and I can't even remember if this is this episode or last right now, because where my brain's at, but when Nathan looks at Lizzie and he goes, I thought it was just me, but you're cool to everyone, aren't you? Mm, yeah. Like, just, like, essentially calling Lizzie the ice queen. Yeah, yeah, I think that was this episode. Yeah, yeah so, like... Yeah, just uneven. I, I would give, I would put it in the the seven range, you know, on its yeah. best day. I think that's fair. Six point five seven. Yep. Uh, but Lauren, what the listeners have to say about it? Oh, first off, we have dear dear Mama Mary. Mary L says, "Oh boy, here we go." 
I watched this episode weeks ago, and I am now in the whirlwind of my 25-year-old eldest daughter's diagnosis with bipolar after a two-week hospitalization for a very scary manic episode. She quit her job and had the delusion of a serious romantic relationship that was a platonic work friendship. The unknown is so scary. I definitely relate to Abby as we are struggling and supporting our daughter while trying not to break her spirit and confidence. Mental illness is a bitch. Uh, Grace B says, I think that there should be a version of this podcast where everyone just pays attention to Yvette Freeman's performance exclusively every time she's on screen because I swear she steals the damn show. Where's her Emmy? And God, I miss Lydia. We needed Lydia and... We needed Lydia and more Halle and Chuni in this episode. Just just for you, Grace, I, I grabbed this, <laughs> the clip of her talking in the uh, the exposition closet. I grabbed the clip of that for the clip for this episode. So There you go. Um, K Hubsy says, okay, here goes. One, I feel like Carby's chemistry is so lackluster in this episode. I don't ship either Carta or Luke, Carter or Luca with Abby, really, but a most emphatic meh. Was Don Cheadle... Two, was Don Cheadle brought in just to be a heavy-handed metaphor or foil for Romano's issue? In other episodes, I see it less, but they definitely pointed a neon sign at it and said, Hey, look, Corday is wrestling with whether she should allow a disabled man to continue participating in a stressful and physically demanding job while Romano fights for the ability to do so. And he has already proven that he is as much a skilled surgeon as he is a horrible human being. Martini joke, anybody? Nathan doesn't have that history of stellar practice to fall back on, but we do play that doctors have to be good at the hard skills and the soft skills game again. I think this instance of it is definitely a bit more nuanced than the early Carter is too nice to be a surgeon ones, as I found myself sympathizing with both Nathan and Corday. One wants to be judged on his merit, not on a bunch of things that may happen as a result of his disease. But Corday has lived the life of a surgeon and has some valid points. I'm sure about. <laughs> but Corday has lived the life of a surgeon and has some valid points. I'm sure about whether or not he would be able to realistically practice. She's also seen this happen in a very personal way to someone she loved. But again, after he's had the chance to prove himself again and again as a doctor. Also, there is room in this storyline to, say, set Nathan up for a less physical medical position, but it seems like his character is, whether explicitly stated or not, against such a thing. It seems like he wants to jump in and prove himself in the hardest way possible. Three, ah, the bush plane that will later be a plot point. Wink, wink, we hear you, Tom E. (sighs) And four, ugh, oh god, This is the one with the, it feels like you have 20 boyfriends line. Oh, no, stop it. (laughs) Clearly everyone's favorite part of the episode. Yeah, we're doing great. Yeah. Well, that's about going to wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening, as always. The show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For a low price of only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry. Two-week early access to any future cast and crew interviews we may do, and over 70 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free-form multi-bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and character retrospectives where we reflect on departed main cast members. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. We are on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast, and we are at Setting the Tone Podcast on Instagram. 
Also, be sure to check out the official Say in the Tone community on Facebook. Our theme music is provided to us by Andrew M. Edwards and Daniel working folks on you at. They can find me on Instagram at dan.u, that is y-o-u dot e-l. They can also find me on my other podcast, The Popular Court, with my co-host Jake Terrell, where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial. And Lauren, where can folks find you at? Uh, folks can find me on my Instagram. I don't have anything sassy to say about it, but that's at Lobo92345. You do be a heckin' climbing on I sure be Instagram. do. I can find me on Twitter posting random nonsense. I am at Random Gamer. That's G A M three R. And thanks again, everyone, very much for listening. Please join us again next time, and have a great week. Bye.